Well, welcome to Hope Denver. I'm Ike Shepherdson. I'm one of the pastors. I'm sure, uh, like many people, um, you've had a difficult week, at least in some ways. It's been some of, of your week that's been tough. Um, and I want you to know that you're not alone. If that was you this week, if this week was hard, um, don't feel alone in that. Uh, we're a church that's all about hope and all about love, and we hope that, that you know that God loves you today. So you see this love and this hope in the message of Easter, and this is what we've, we've been talking about the last week. And actually, Pastor Kelsey Lasher, she wrote a beautiful article, and it's up on hopedenver.com on our blog about this. And she writes about Mary Magdalene and Mary Magdalene at Jesus' tomb and how he, she sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. She thinks that he was the gardener. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, and she asks about where Jesus' body is. And she's distraught and hopeless and alone. And here's what Kelsey writes, and I love this. This is so beautiful. She says this, Jesus' first act as the triumphal king is to let the sounds of sorrow wash over his ears, to step into the presence of bitterness. This is the way that Jesus chose to reveal his victory. It wasn't on a grand scale with pomp and circumstance. It was unassuming and tender, full of the compassion that only he could display. If you have a week of anxiety or disappointment or sorrow, I want you to know that God is listening. Please know that God is listening to your worries and to your sadness, and he loves you right in the middle of it. Tonight, we're going to look at another appearance of Jesus, another appearance uh, of the resurrected Jesus uh, from the Gospel of Luke. So please turn uh, in, your, in your Bible to Luke 24, and the title of the message today is Seeing the Risen Jesus. This is Luke 24, Seeing the Risen Jesus. Um, if you're new to the Bible, Luke is uh, in the, the, last, uh, the last third of the Bible in the New Testament. Um, in the New Testament, it goes Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, and if, if you find yourself in Romans or 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you've gone a little too far. Um, and right after Luke is the book of John. So uh, hopefully you can find it there. Um, you can, of course, use the YouVersion app as well. I encourage that. That's a great one to use um, as we talk today. But in Luke 24, the context for this is it's Resurrection Sunday. This is the Sunday that Jesus has risen from the dead. It's the same day that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in the story that we just talked about. Hey, son, can you be quiet while I talk, buddy? Thanks, good guy. Um, so it's the same Sunday as the resurrection. Now, many of Jesus' followers were still traumatized by the crucifixion. They were, see, what, what happened for them is that their rabbi was incredibly discouraging to them. They were worried about this. And they had even had some of, some of uh, the stories that were circulating that, that Jesus' tomb was empty or that, uh, that um, his, his, uh, his, his followers had seen him alive. This was incredibly problematic as well. People were worried about this. And I hope you can see a little bit of yourself in this story. A little bit of yourself in this story. Um, we've when you had a traumatic event, when you've had something that's really traumatizing, you're looking for hope. But you also don't have much going on to, to, let, you, to let you trust that hope is really on the way. That's the, that's the difficulty with what's happening here. Uh, but let's look at Luke 24, and we're at verse 13, and this is the word of the Lord. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. 
but they were kept from recognizing him. It says that there were two of them. That's important that there were two. Uh, this indicates that these were two of Jesus' followers, two of his followers. Now, they were talking about what had been going on. And what had been going on was something that was very public. Everybody would have been talking about this. A very public execution of a popular rabbi by the Roman occupiers. This would have been something that everybody would have known about. It would have created an incredible buzz in the city of Jerusalem. And in a lot of ways, this is like every conversation that we're having now, right? Every conversation that we're having now. See, back then, the conversation was, did you hear about Jesus of Nazareth? Did you hear what Pilate said? And now it's, are you staying safe? Did you hear what Trump said? <laughs> That's so kind of where we are right now. Uh, everything is about the traumatic event that we're going through. And the expectations of these followers were incredibly low incredibly low expectations of these, of these followers of Jesus. See, when you go through trauma, it can be difficult to think positively. It's hard to be positive when you're suffering. Sometimes when you're going through trauma, you don't even recognize what's happening around you. See, the, these two followers of Jesus, they're about to see the risen Jesus, but they're not expecting that that would happen at all. Um, when you're going through trauma, it can be difficult to sense that God is even close, that God is near. Um, so Jesus appears to them, but they're kept from recognizing him. See, Jesus wants to teach them something else. He has more to tell them about what he's doing, um, more than just the fact that he's alive. The fact is that they don't see God. In the middle of it, they don't see God. Peter Berger, the famous sociologist of religion, he taught for years at Rutgers and Boston University. He says that everybody has something called a plausibility structure. This is something that everybody has. Everybody has, a, a, it's, it's a, like a web of beliefs. Think about like, it's a web of beliefs of all the things that you are willing to consider as possibly being true. Your plausibility structure isn't everything that you believe to be true. It's everything that you're willing to entertain as, as possibly being true. See, for these followers of Jesus, seeing the risen Jesus was not inside their plausibility structure. They would not have thought that it was possible for Jesus to be alive, risen from the dead. I think for a lot of people in our culture, in the middle of the trauma and the, the, the difficulty that we're going through, it's not a part of their plausibility structure to see God in the middle of what we're going through. A lot of people, you know, they're maybe, they're maybe unwilling or unable to see that God might be here right now. But the cool thing about God is, is that God has a way of upending our expectations. God has a way of challenging the things that we believed were possible. God has a way of, of, of changing our preconceptions and causing us to be really open-minded. And in the middle of what's happening right now, I want to challenge you. In the middle of great difficulty, please be open to hearing from God. Be open to sensing that God might have something to say to you. Be open to discovering, pardon me, that God is near. Let's look at verse 17. He asked them, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still their faces downcast. Try to get your head around what's happening here. 
These are, these are men whose world has been upended. Their world has been completely changed. Their rabbi, the most important person in their life, had been violently killed on a Roman cross. This would have offended not just the, their love for their rabbi, but a crucifixion was the most shameful way to die. Even if you, were an, if, if you were an observant Jew in the first century, what had happened to their rabbi was incredibly traumatizing, incredibly traumatizing. Their, everything about their lives had been shaken. Uh, give me, I'm going to pause for just a second here. Everything about their lives have been shaken up here. And this might be you right now. Maybe this is you. And be honest with yourself if this is what you're going through. You had plans. You had, you had goals. You had some stability in your life. You had desires to accomplish something. You had a plan to go someplace, to see somebody. You've had to cancel things. And you cancel things that you cared about deeply. I mean, it's, a lot of us have not been going through minor setbacks. Some of us have just had minor setbacks, but some of us have had major, major problems, major issues, major setbacks right now. Some of us are suffering incredible financial hardship. Some of us are incredibly anxious right now. In the middle of all this, I hope you can see that these men who had lost everything, the man that they had followed around, their rabbi, he, he suffered an incredibly shameful death, and they were associated with him. Their whole world had been upended. And that's, that's what, the, what's what the world is like for a lot of us right now, too. But in the middle of that, you might just see that God will defy your expectations, that he'll challenge those expectations, and he may show up in an incredibly powerful way. Let's look at verse 18. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, asked Jesus, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. It's incredibly important, just a quick aside on this passage, it's incredibly important that the man speaking here is identified as Cleopas. His name is listed here. This is important because Luke's gospel, the gospel we're reading right now, it dates back to about 30 years after the events that it purports to describe. That is, it was written somewhere in the mid-60s of the common era, or 60 AD, somewhere around then. So when somebody names an eyewitness, the writer Luke, he names an eyewitness here. This is like him saying that Cleopas of the Jerusalem church could still be consulted to confirm or deny his role in this story. It's just a mark of authenticity. It's something that lets you know that when you read the Bible, you can trust that what it says is true. Now what Cleopas does here, getting back to the text, he recounts this amazing ministry that Jesus had. 
He recounts even his belief, his own belief, that Jesus would become a ruler who would kick out the Romans. These were an occupying force, and Jews believed that, that the Messiah would inaugurate this new time of a new and restored Israel. And it's significant to see, too, that Cleopas and his companion here, they trusted the witness of women. They trusted the witness of women. Now, these are women who had seen the empty tomb, and this is a sign of Jesus' ethic towards women. The way that Jesus treated, toward, treated women, it actually it had an influence <coughs> on his male followers. His male followers were more trusting of the testimony of women because Jesus was so dignifying of women. Jesus' method, or his, his, his message and, 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 and way of treating women was incredibly inclusive and incredibly empowering. But there's a subtext in this story. And I hope you can see the subtext here. The subtext is really confusion. Cleopas and his companion are incredibly confused. See, they expected that God was going to do great things through Jesus in a very physically tangible way. That is, they expected to see Jesus rise up as this political ruler who would kick out the Romans. But what had happened was that Jesus was shamefully crucified, and now they can't find his body. They don't know what's going on. The clear subtext is that these men are confused. They have no idea where God is and no idea what God is doing. Do any of you feel confused right now? Do you feel confused? I felt this way. I've, I've, I've had these questions of how long will this last? What comes next? How long till things get back to normal? Will our economy survive? Some of you have had questions about some relationships that you're in right now, difficulties uh, with your relationships. And, and I've experienced some confusion this week. Just the, in, in the last couple months, I've had, I've had some confusion. I've been dealing with added stress at work right now. I'm concerned about our economy. I've been sad over the death toll. It's so incredibly tragic. I'm sad that I can't take my wife on a date. Uh, I, I've been anxious about canceled plans and and thinking about what canceled school looks like and what the future holds. I want you to know that it's okay if you feel confused. If right now you're feeling anxious and confused, it's okay. See, what happens is when you're confused and you're earnestly seeking God through your confusion, you'll find that you'll, you're actually going to see God. In the middle of confusion, God often shows up in incredibly powerful ways. Let's look at verse 25. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter, to his, enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus, Jesus explains this to them. Now, this rebuke might sound strange. Um, Jesus says, like, how foolish you are. And I think that reads a little bit harsher than it came off, um, than, than what it would have sounded like to those original listeners. But why would Jesus challenge them during their time of confusion? That doesn't seem very compassionate. Why would Jesus challenge them during their time of confusion? Well, I want to say this, and, and follow me through this thought. God holds us accountable for the things that he has told us. 
When God tells you something, he expects that you're going to do something with it. God holds us accountable for the things that he has told us. I want to ask you, in your life, do you have something that God has told you to do? Do you have something that God has told you to do? See, the fact that you're confused about what's happening in the world right now, that doesn't relieve you of the obligation to obey God. The fact that you're confused doesn't relieve you of the obligation to obey God. It didn't relieve these men of their obligation to believe what God had already written in the scriptures. But here's the good thing about when, you, when God tells you to obey. God doesn't just hold us accountable. He also helps us along. God doesn't just hold us accountable. He also helps us along. See, Jesus explains to them. He, he goes right into it. And he explains to them that the Jewish scriptures actually described that Jesus was going to die and rise from the dead. He tells them, hey, here's, here's what you should have known. And it's okay. I'll help you. Here's what you should have known. And I want to ask you, has God told you something? Has God given you some, some sense of something that you should do? Has God called you to be obedient in some way? Has God told you to be generous to somebody? Has maybe God told you to study the Bible? Has he been saying, hey, now's the time. Get back in the Bible. Has he told you to find answers to your questions? Oh, I challenge you with that. Hope Denver is all about uh, welcoming the questions, welcoming the questioner. If God's told you to find some answers, now's your time. Do it. Obey him. Has God told you to exercise? Has God told you to see a therapist? If God's told you to do something, he's going to hold you accountable to it. He's going to remind you that he told you that. See, the beautiful thing, though, about God is that he doesn't just give us commands. He helps us in obeying the commands. This is exactly what the word grace means. It's that God will give you favor that you don't deserve. He'll help you along in the times that you're struggling, in the times that you're confused, He'll remind you of the things that he told you to do, which are for your benefit, and he'll help you to do them. God, when he calls you to do something, he gives you everything that you need to be able to obey the command. That's because God doesn't just hold us accountable. God doesn't just hold us accountable. He also helps us along. Do you need provision right now? Do you need wisdom? Do you need healing in a relationship? Do you need friendships? Don't just feel obligation. I'm not trying to, to put obligation on you. What I'm saying is that God has grace for you to help you with the things that you know that God has told you to do. God has grace for you to help you. And when you're at your weakest, when you're in a time of confusion, when you can't rely on your own smarts, when you can't just muster up enough energy, that's where God shines the brightest. When you're struggling the most, God gives you that much more strength. When you're willing to admit that you're weak, God shows up in strong ways during those times. <clears throat> Friends, right now, if God's told you to obey him and you feel like you have nothing left, now is the time to step out in faith because it's in those times of weakness that God shows himself to be that much stronger. This isn't a message of, of just figure it out and work harder and do more. It's rely on God. Trust him. Help God. And what you'll find out is that receiving God's grace means that he's going to provide for you. It means he's going to give you freedom and peace and joy, provision. He's going to help you with your relationships. 
and he's going to deliver you from your sins. When you rely on God, he shines the brightest in those times in your life. Let's look at verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So what was God teaching them through this whole thing? It's what the scriptures had always taught them about what the Messiah was going to be like. The scriptures always told them what they needed to know about Jesus. See, these are men who grew up memorizing the Hebrew Bible. We, we probably can't really relate to that. The, these, these Jewish men would have grown up memorizing the very prophecies that Jesus came to fulfill. These people, the, the, these people had read what the Bible had predicted and what was going to happen to the Messiah. And here's the thing about God. God is always helping people to understand the Bible. God is always reaching out, trying to help people to understand the Bible. That's what Jesus did here. He was helping them to understand what was already written in the Bible. And right now, you have a million forms of content flying at you all the time. You have digital content coming from every corner. You have TV and Zoom meetings and FaceTime and social media. And it's possible right now to get some digital fatigue. But let me just welcome you into something that's so much better. If you let him, God will speak to you through the Bible. If you open up your heart to him, and if you're willing to get into the Bible, God will speak to you in a time where you feel confused. God will give you answers. Maybe some of you today, you have real questions. I want to invite you to open up the Bible where God says, come and let us reason together, says the Lord. Some of you, you have real hurts that you're going through right now, deep hurts that you're going through. I, I welcome you. Open up and read the Bible where it speaks about God as the God of all comfort the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You have concerns and weights on your hearts. Read the Bible and find that God says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Some of you need provision right now. And when you open up the Bible, you'll read that one of God's names is the Lord will provide. Right now, some of you need wisdom. You're confused and you need wisdom. You'll read the Bible and it says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. See, when you open up the Bible, you'll find that God is speaking to you a message of hope and a message of welcome and peace. Not a message of obligation, but a message of grace, a message of inclusion a message of a father who looks at children with compassion and says, I can help you and I want to help you. You know what I love about this story? I love that the men in this story, they have this crazy experience 
And then they just, they talk to each other about it. You saw that in this passage here where it talks about how they said, weren't our hearts burning within us when he opened the scriptures to us? They try to interpret that message together. They try to go through it together and they say, wow, what just happened? Let's talk about it together. They had this experience with the risen Jesus and they, they tried to interpret it with one another. And that, that's exactly what we should be doing right now. In the middle of this crazy experience, in the middle of something that is just like mind-blowing and, and awful in so many ways, we should be thinking about this, discussing it, and interpreting it inside community. Hope Denver, now is the time to double down on community. Now is the time to renew our focus on community, on meeting up with friends, have virtual happy hours, do virtual hope groups with people. Now is the time to call your family and, and talk about things. Reach out in, to, for community right now. See, in a time of social distancing, it can be possible for some of us to try to be even more insular than we were before. And maybe that's you right now. Maybe, maybe you're, you're feeling more isolated and you kind of want to double down into that isolation. And I want to encourage you, first, don't feel bad about that. If that's sort of the natural response that you have, don't feel bad about that. That's a very natural thing, and God has compassion on that. But I also want to encourage you to take a step and break out of that and start interacting again. Join a virtual hope group. Uh, play house party with some friends. FaceTime one of your friends here at Hope Denver. Double down on community. Don't double down on insularity. Double down on community right now. I'll give you some tips about how to join a hope group here in a few minutes. Let's look at verse 33 though. They got up, that is the men got up, and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11, that is Jesus' other disciples, and those with them, assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Friends, right now, the stress and the trauma, they're real. They're real. But it's possible to see God in the middle of a traumatic moment. It's possible to experience him in the middle of your disappointment. Be open to experiencing God this week. If you're sensing God showing up in a new way, which is what was happening for these, these followers of Jesus here, if you're sensing that God's doing something new, tell other people about it. Don't just live it privately. You have to live it with other people. Tell other people about it in community. As we close today, um, I just want to give you a couple things to think about. And these are some action items for all of us. First, I want you to ask yourself this question and be honest about it. How can I obey God? Is there something that God's told you to do? Is there something that you've read in the scripture before that you thought, you know what? I need to do something about that. Has there been uh, something that somebody else has told you where at the time you felt like that's not just from them, that's something that maybe God is speaking to me and you need to obey it. I wanna challenge you, step out in obedience this week and find that when you step out in obedience, God gives you that much more grace to obey. When you feel like you have nothing left to give, that's where God shows up. And he not only helps you to obey, but gives you so much freedom and peace and blessing in the middle of your obedience. Secondly, I want to ask you this question. Where do you need to receive grace from God? Where do you need grace from God? 
in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your loneliness maybe, in your worry, where do you need to receive grace from God? Now's the time to ask him. See, God shows up in trauma. God shows up in tragedies. I wasn't really planning on sharing this, but I, I, feel, I feel like maybe I need to, and maybe this is for somebody today. Um, and this will be a little raw. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but before we had um, our daughter Evangeline, our oldest daughter, um, Kelsey and I, we had a miscarriage. We had a, a, lost, a lost pregnancy. And it was very early on, um, but it was one of the hardest things in our lives. And we actually have three wonderful kids and, and um, none of this is, is to minimize the beauty of our marriage, which is, is incredible, and the beauty of our family life, which is just wonderful. But that was a real tragedy. That was a real loss for us. Some of you know what I'm talking about. There's real loss in that. But when we went through that, we found, we found grace in all these exciting and unexpected ways. One of the ways I received grace from God during that time was through my dog. I had a dog named Casey at the time. And that dog was my friend and helped me through what was incredibly confusing. We had incredible grace from God through friendships. Uh, other people in our church who had gone through similar things, who had had miscarriages, who had had struggles with infertility. And um, we, we, had, we had community to help us through that. There was incredible grace in that. There was a song by, by Brooke, Brooke Frazier called Flags that was uh, really meaningful for us in that time where, where she, she, the, the thrust of the song is, I, I don't know why all these terrible things are happening, but I do know that the Bible says that the last shall be first. Where do you need to receive grace from God? There's so much grace in the middle of suffering. There's so much triumph in the middle of tragedy. And God wants to give you that today. Finally, I want to ask you, get into community. I want to challenge you with this. Get into the Bible and get into community. Uh, now is the time. If, if you haven't read the Bible, there, there's so much opportunity to consume content right now. Say no to something. And say yes to opening the scriptures on a daily basis. If that's new to you, I would challenge you just start with the Gospels. You might start with the Gospel of John uh, in the New Testament. Start there. Don't feel like you need to read the Bible from the front to the end. Um, you can do that if you want to. But really, I think a great place to start if the Bible's new for you is the Gospel of John. And just read a chapter a day and say, God, what do you want to say to me in this? Maybe journal about it and say, God, what, what should I learn from this passage here? Take a little time to get into the Bible and get into community. Gosh, in the middle of this, that's been a major source of life for Kelsey and I, our hope group. Uh, our hope group's every Wednesday, and we've, we've just, it, typically we would have a dinner party, and right now we're, Kelsey and I are just putting the kids to bed, and we, we get together with our hope group. We sing a couple worship songs. We pray for each other. We chew the fat. Some people bring their wine to the hope group. That's awesome. Uh, you know, just in the middle of all this, double down on community. There's real grace there. So that's my challenge for you this week. I want to say a blessing for you in just a moment here, but if you find yourself with financial needs this week, if, you, if that's a struggle for you right now, if you have a real financial need, please email us at info at hopedenver.com. Let us know that you have a need. We want to help. Um, we have people who've given gifts, especially for this. 
Um, uh, we want to help you with your finances. Um, if you have a little extra to give right now, if you have a little extra, please go to hopedenver.com forward slash give. Uh, there's uh, from the drop down there, there's a field called benevolence. If you choose that, then every dollar that you give will go to somebody at Hope Denver who has a financial need during this crisis. Um, if you're a regular attendee of Hope Denver, I also want to just remind you to give your tithes and offerings at the same website. Uh, give your regular giving that you would normally do. Uh, we still have financial obligations to meet during this time. Uh, please continue to, to give those. And I want to give a plug for our hope groups, for our hope groups right now. Uh, this has been such an incredible thing that's happened in our church right now. Hope groups are still meeting. They're meeting virtually. Uh, most of them are using Zoom or something like that. Uh, and I just wanted to invite Zach and Sammy Porter. Uh, they do a hope group every, every week called Potluck with the Porters. And I wanted to invite Zach and Sammy. You can uh, turn your microphone on. What's been going on in your hope group the last couple weeks? Any high points in your hope group lately? Yeah, definitely. Um... So if anybody doesn't know us, um, like I said, I'm Zach and this is my wife, Sammy. And we need a small group on Wednesday nights called Potluck at the Porters. Um, and obviously before quarantine, we would get together um, in our house and just share a meal together, um, talk about, you know, a quick devotional. Uh, but now that we can't meet, you know, we meet virtually over Zoom and we still go through a uh, quick devotional, but also just, um, you know, it's a time to get together. Um, you can tell quarantine has affected our days because we actually meet on Tuesday nights. Oh. <laughs> you never know what day it is. <laughs> um, but definitely before when things were normal too, hope groups are just an awesome way to really get involved and just get to know people at church because even, you know, when you would go to service or volunteer, things are busy and there's a lot going on. So sometimes you don't get to really connect with people as much. And Hope Denver, I think really, especially now in this time, gives you huge opportunities to really just get to know each other and strengthen the relationships that you have with the people um, from church. And I like, we really enjoyed what you were saying tonight too. You know, this isn't just an obligation um, that we feel. And I think a lot of our group would say the same thing. You know, we really enjoy, you know, being with each other and, um, you know, we consider each other friends and family and we just love seeing each other. Um, so we also asked some people in our group too, you know, what they thought of hope groups and the impacts it's had on them. And, you know, the biggest thing is just being able to get closer as a group, um, extending friendships. It's also created new friendships. Um, a lot of people now, um, because of quarantine, you know, there's uh, group chats that have started up, just group texts and group FaceTimes, group happy hours that have started. Um, and then also, you know, others had said, um, it's just a great time to be able to be vulnerable with each other and just to share our struggles that um, we're all going through right now and the anxiety maybe that we have um, in this group, you know, just giving everybody a sense of peace um, and time to connect with God. And I will say just overall, especially in this time, I think it's really shown us that church is not just a building. It's definitely the people and the hope groups are a huge representation of that. And I mean, look at even Jesus taught in front of so many people and, but he still made the time and he still sat around the table with his disciples. And I think uh, hope groups really follow that example. And we love that. Yeah. Uh -huh. You guys are awesome. I love you. Zach and Sammy, you're the best. Thank you so much for that. Please sign up. Go, go to hopedenver.com and, and join a hope group. Um, and we had, we had that in our group too, where people who didn't know each other, people who like weren't friends yet, had now become like great buddies. And they're like, hey, great to see you. Great to talk. And, and uh, that, that totally happens. If that's you and you're wondering, 
hey, I'm not sure if I'm going to know anybody. You're going to get to know them, and they're going to be great friends to you. You're going to find that in the middle of isolation, you'll actually create some really beautiful, lasting relationships in your life. So that's my challenge to you. And I'd like to bless you now. Uh, and so let's just close our eyes. Maybe you want to open up your hands to the Lord and receive his blessing. Uh, just be willing to, to say, God, I need you, and God, I receive grace from you. And so now I pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for your goodness and blessing to rest on each person here. Anybody who's listening to a recording of this, or watching us on Facebook, or join this Zoom meeting, Lord, I pray that they would recognize that God wants to meet with them this week. God, I pray that as people open the Bible this week, I pray that they would hear from you what they need to hear. God, I pray that as we, we consider the things that you told us to do, that you would give us your Holy Spirit in us, which would enable us to obey. If you want to welcome the Holy Spirit into your life right now, just say, fill me, Holy Spirit. I welcome you into my life this week. Fill me to overflowing. Help me to be ready for the week that's coming ahead. And Lord, I pray for the children who've been a part of this, the children who've, who've uh, been listening today. May your blessing rest on our children. The scripture says, great will be the peace of our children. And let that be so for them, that they would love and know God and be cared for by the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And it's in the name of, of, of God that we pray right now. Amen.